Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Walking the Line is a true crime podcast that discusses topics of violence, sexual assault, and murder. Listener discretion is advised. All parties are innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. Welcome to Walking the Line. I'm your host, Lexi, and this week we're exploring the 2018 disappearance of Carly Gousset from Chalfont, California. Carly Lane Gousset was born on May 13, 2002, to her mother Lindsay Fairley and her father Zachary Gousset. When Carly was only two years old, her parents had gotten a divorce and she was living with her mother. Carly's father ended up remarrying to a woman by the name of Melissa, and they shared two children. But when Carly got older, she ended up moving in with her father while maintaining a good relationship with her mother. Just before Carly's disappearance, her family had moved from Bishop, California to a town by the name of Chalfont. Now, this move did not really interrupt Carly's life as she was still able to attend the same school district. A little about Chafant is that it's an unincorporated village located within Mono County. It's 14 miles north of Bishop and a predominantly residential area with a population of 1,000 people. The town was named after W.A. Chafant, who had moved to the area in 1885 with his family. He founded the local newspaper, the Inyo Register, where he remained as the editor for 55 years. Carly loved to watch scary movies and spend time with her brothers. Many of her friends describe her as an introverted student, but was kind and well-liked. She was only 16 years old and described as a white female with dark brown hair and blue eyes. She weighed approximately 110 pounds and stood at 5 feet 7 inches. Carly also had her left nostril pierced. Now, looking into the timeline of the case, Carly was attending Bishop Union High School just before her disappearance. She had started to experiment with marijuana, which resulted in her being suspended for one month from school. But her parents would later tell the Las Vegas Review-Journal that her behavior and grades were improving, and she seemed to be taking the necessary steps to put the entire situation behind her. Her friends would later tell police that Carly had episodes where she was worried that somebody was tracking her phone, but she never gave any more details beyond that. On Friday, October 12, 2018, Carly asked her parents if she could go to the football game. But Carly and her boyfriend Donald decided to skip the football game and head to a party instead. By 8 p.m., her stepmom Melissa called to see if she needed a ride home after the football game. 
While at the party, Carly had smoked marijuana and started to act strange. She showed signs of a panic and had a heightened sense of paranoia and immense fear. Now, it remains unknown if Carly had consumed any additional substances, if the substance she did consume was laced, or if she was simply having a bad reaction. According to her boyfriend Donald, Carly had not smoked in a while and believed that, quote, it could have triggered something. Carly grew increasingly fearful of the music and became paranoid. In an attempt to calm Carly down, Donald suggested that the two of them go for a walk. When he tried to hug her, Carly got uncomfortable and began running down the dark street. According to Explore With Us, Donald wrote the following in a private Facebook conversation. Me and Carly did smoke. It was at my friend's house at like 7 p.m., not a party. She got very scared, so we started walking back to my house. Carly got scared and ran for me and called Melissa. That was the last time I saw her. She got scared of me and started screaming my name and then pushed me away and told me not to come near her and stay away. And that was when she called Melissa and started running. I tried to hold her and calm her down. In a moment of panic, Carly calls Melissa. Melissa realizes that Carly was never at the football game, and instead, Carly tells Melissa she is booking it down Dixon Lane and to hurry. By 9 p.m., Melissa goes to Dixon Lane. Once she gets there, she isn't able to find Carly, but continues to drive around. Not long after, Carly spots Melissa's car, and when Carly gets inside the car, she is still in a heightened state of panic and her behavior is really strange. Carly keeps switching from seat to seat and Melissa notices that her pupils were very dilated. She keeps saying how scared she was and how she thought the car would somehow kill her. While Melissa is driving them home, Carly eventually comes clean that she did smoke marijuana that evening at the party. Carly tells her stepmom that it was making her paranoid. When they get home, Carly tells her parents that she loves them and then the next minute she's hiding in a corner afraid of them. She kept asking their parents if they would call 911 in case something bad has happened. According to a Facebook comment written by Melissa, Carly was writing on a piece of paper for hours that evening. Some have theorized that it was therapy homework, but the exact details of what she was writing remains a mystery. Later that evening, Melissa decided to record Carly with her cell phone. She wanted to play back the recording to show her what she was behaving like while under the influence. That recording was eight minutes long and has not been shared publicly. Carly seemed remorseful for smoking while Melissa continued to console her. But when it was time to go to bed, Carly refused. According to the Las Vegas Review Journal, Carly had said, No, I don't want to go to sleep. You're going to kill me. Melissa tried to console her. Why would I kill you? That's preposterous. I'm just thinking all this demonic stuff. I can't help it. Melissa had given her a salad in an attempt to help sober Carly up. But instead of eating the salad, Carly kept pushing it away, calling it the devil's lettuce. Now, in terms of a timeline, there are some reported discrepancies. According to Explore With Us, Melissa Gousset stated that she had put Carly to bed and spent the night in her own room. Then, she went to check on Carly and her brothers at around 5.45 a.m. She had found everyone in their beds and nothing was out of the ordinary. She then checked again around 7.45 and that's when she noticed that Carly was missing. However, Melissa later changed this story. She claimed that she had spent the entire night by Carly's side to make sure that she was safe. She said that the last time she saw her stepdaughter, she was in bed beside her at around 5.45 a.m. She briefly woke up before drifting back to sleep, noticing that Carly was still awake and her eyes were wide open. Then, when Melissa woke again around 7.15 or 7.30, Carly was gone. The front door to the Goose residence was found open and Carly left behind her cell phone on the kitchen island. When Melissa noticed this, her and Zach immediately set out to search for Carly but couldn't find her. Later that morning, her family reported her missing to the Mono County Sheriff's Office. 
Hey everyone, I hope you are enjoying this week's episode. I wanted to take a really quick moment to introduce to you a podcast I've been listening to a lot these days by the name of True Compass. Hello, beautiful humans. Want to be a part of a community where empathy is at the forefront? Want to go beyond the surface level of true crime? Want to understand our role as consumers of true crime? Join me, Shay Vishna, on True Compass Podcast, where cultivating ethics and awareness is at the forefront. My goal is to empower you with the knowledge to be an ethical consumer of true crime, while also getting to learn how those affected by crime are impacted. But I don't stop there. I'll also have amazing guests to discuss these topics and even throw in some safety tips here and there. Can't wait for y'all to tag along with me on this journey. Be sure to follow True Compass wherever you get your podcast. Now, police would later learn that there were three witnesses that claimed to see Carly on that faithful morning of October 13th, 2018. Now, here is what Richard Eddy remembers from that day. When she was uh, busy, and I don't quite understand the whole thing, I was in my hot tub room. Uh, it was probably about 6 7 o'clock. I'm kind of, this happened a couple of years ago, so I'm just trying to guess at it. But I'd say between 6 30 and 7. And uh, it was kind of chilly that morning, I remember. And for some reason, I looked out towards the street. I have big, big windows in the hot tub room. So I looked out towards the street and I thought, that's unusual. There's a young girl walking by. She had long, kind of long brown hair. Uh, she, she had clothes on. She had a white, I think, I can't even remember, but I think she had a white top and maybe gray bottoms or something. But she had clothes on. But it was kind of chilly, and I thought, that's kind of kind of weird that she would be there. And she was waving a, a piece of paper, like a, a 12 by 12 piece of paper. She was just waving it in the air and, and walked by. Now, later that morning, I think it was about 8 o'clock maybe, I'm guessing probably, that her mother says, have you seen my daughter? And I told her the story that I had just seen a girl walk by, but I didn't know it was her. Oh, that was her. I think you were the last one to see her. I said, well, I don't know. Well, I'll help you go look. So at that time, I had a, a, a side-by-side motorcycle. So I rode up into the canyon, which is straight over from my house, because I figured maybe that's where she would go, because I have two chairs set up in that little canyon, and there's a little fire pit there, and I shoot my guns down into the canyon. And I went over there and she wasn't there. And by the time I came back, she was at my driveway. And I told her I didn't see anything. And she says, well, well, thank you very much. And that's about the last I really heard of the whole thing. The second witness was a school teacher by the name of Kenneth Dutton. He lived a few doors down from Eddie, but recalled seeing Carly holding a piece of paper. There was a third witness, but they have not been named publicly. This individual told police he recalled seeing a girl who fit Carly's description standing in the sagebrush near Highway 6. This would be the same area where police canines would later lose Carly's scent. 
Authorities would later inform the public that Carly's disappearance did not meet the requirements for an Amber Alert. In order for an Amber Alert to be made, the victim must be under 17 years old, there must be reasonable belief that an abduction occurred, and the victim is in immediate danger that could lead to death. In this situation, there was no evidence to suggest that Carly had been abducted. The desert terrain made it challenging for crews to search for Carly. Police deployed helicopters, sent dogs, off-road vehicles, and search and rescue teams. A multi-day search would follow, but Carly would not be found. Police scoured through Carly's social media in hopes that it would provide a new lead, but there were no clues to be had. The FBI would eventually join the investigation. A few months later, people would call into the Mono County Sheriff's Office to report sightings of Carly throughout California and Nevada. Authorities would follow up on this information, but the leads went cold. One of the biggest pitfalls into the investigation of Carly's disappearance was all of the social media speculation. Some of that stems from Melissa posting videos on Facebook, which led to the public speculating and scrutinizing the intent behind her actions. There was a lot of discord between Carly's biological mother, Lindsay, and Carly's stepmom, Melissa, while others were criticizing Lindsay since Carly was not living with her full-time when Carly went missing. It didn't push the case any further, but it did cause a lot more misinformation and rumors to circulate. If you want to help support Carly's case, you can do that by following the Bring Carly Home Facebook page and share Carly's missing person poster. Links to both will be included in the show notes below. At this time, police do not believe that Carly met with foul play. This past October marked the fifth anniversary of her disappearance. Once again, Carly is described as a white female with dark brown hair and blue eyes. She was 16 years old and weighed approximately 110 pounds and stood at 5 feet 7 inches. The National Center for Missing and Exploited Children did release an age-progressed image of Carly at age 20. The FBI is providing a $5,000 reward for any information leading towards Carly's recovery. If you do have any information, please contact the Mono County Sheriff's Office at 760-932-7549, option 7. You can also call the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children at 1-800-843-5678 or 1-800-THE-LOST. This week's episode was researched using publicly available information. All of my sources will be listed in the show notes and on my website. Be sure to follow us on X and Instagram at Walking Line Pod and on Facebook at Walking the Line. If you enjoyed this episode of Walking the Line, please like, rate, and subscribe wherever you are listening. If you want to take it a step further, please leave a five-star review so more listeners can learn about the people behind these stories. Let's walk the line together.